Good morning everyone. Continuing with our Frontline series, I'm sharing today about listening to others. Now, your frontline for listening to others in the relationships might be with your, your families at work, in school, at the supermarket, online or on the phone. Wherever it is, I'm going to start by asking, how do you listen to others? There is power in learning to actively listen, to hear what is spoken, how it is spoken, what is not spoken, how people look when they speak and how they generally appear. Listening to others says, I want to know you. I want to understand you. Listening involves the heart, empathy and discernment, much more than what is actually spoken. It is being able to see things from someone else's perspective and asking open questions that allow people to tell their story. As a cognitive behavioural therapist, I often hear people's stories of sadness and trauma and have had the privilege of supporting people on their recovery journeys, giving time to people to understand their depression or anxiety and opportunities to think and behave differently can change people's lives and give hope. Sharing difficulties with counsellors, therapists or GPs can help, but the compassion and time taken to listen, given from those we love, our family and friends is equally valuable. A good friend of mine often worries she's not doing enough for God. I gently remind her that in the conversation we have usually just had, that she has already told me about support she's given others that week. How she's made a cake for a bereaved friend, how she texted a scripture to a discouraged friend, and how she had phoned someone feeling lonely. That all came because she listened to the heart of someone who was hurting. She was moved with compassion as our Lord tells us to be. Colossians 3.12 Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience. We're called to bear one another's burdens, and by doing so we'll fulfil the law of Christ. Galatians 6.2 Jesus shows us how we can interact with people and hear them, to hear their ideas and emotions and identify their need. One example is when Jesus talks to a woman at the well, John 4.26. Now Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that he was gaining and baptising more disciples than John. Although, in fact, it was not Jesus who baptised, but his disciples. So he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria, so he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. 
Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, Go, call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, You are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you have had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Now moving to verse 25. The woman said, I know that Messiah, called Christ, is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. And Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. We live in a world where we are expected to look for the next best thing. This leaves us with a dull ache, a deafening void that we seek to fill with things or people or things to do or be. But our needs can only be truly met in Jesus and the Samaritan woman in John 4, 426 spotlights the same need she has in us that is only met when we encounter the living Christ. This passage reveals some interesting facts. Jesus was travelling through Samaria, which was an uncommon thing for Jews to do, as Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus asked the woman for a drink and risked being accused of being unceremoniously unclean if he used a drinking vessel handled by a Samaritan, since the Jews held that all Samaritans were unclean. Jesus was alone. The Samaritan woman was alone. Most women came to get water at the beginning or end of the day, but she had come to collect water at the noon of the day, the hottest part of the day. She'd come to the well to collect water at midday to avoid speaking or seeing the other women. Jesus deliberately stopped here. In her encounter with Jesus, he reveals to us she had had five husbands and is now living with her boyfriend. Jesus reveals himself three times in his encounter. As the living water, John 4:13-14, as the living water she needs, John 4:10, and as a prophet, John 4:14-19, before he finally proclaims who he is as the Messiah, John 4:25-26, the one who would lead, teach and save the people. So in true jubilee style, I've got 3 points. 1, Jesus the living water, 2, learning to listen, and 3, the cost of discipleship. So the first one, Jesus the living water. Jesus is the living water that fills our void and he tells us, whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. When we put our trust in him, we'll never thirst again, Psalm 37.4. And if we take delight in him, he will give us the desires of our heart. He is the one who fills our lives with good things, who changes us from the inside out. We no longer need to seek the next best thing in life, as we have it already in the living goodness of God. The Samaritan woman could see that Jesus saw her sin and he named it. Jesus sees our sin and still loves us and pursues us with his love, Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. He looks to reconcile us to himself, for God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Colossians 1, 19-20 The Samaritan woman was rejected by her community, but Jesus makes a way for her restoration. The woman probably felt shame and was rejected by that community. Jesus totally accepts her. 
Jesus breaks through traditions, customs and stereotypes and sees people as individuals, accepting them with love and compassion. Jesus broke three customs. He spoke to her as a woman, he spoke to a Samaritan and he asked her for water, making him as a Jew in the Jewish tradition unceremoniously unclean. Jesus reaches out to all people. He understands our deepest pain. This is the Jesus that meets us, loves us, accepts us. He really is the living water that satisfies us. Like Jesus, when we listen to others, our response to them is important. Throwaway sentences can build up or discourage. James 3.5 says, Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. Our aim is to point to the one who can give that living water. Our judgments, prejudices and criticisms can be obstacles to someone's salvation or journey. Jesus is interested in much more than physical healing, but also emotional, social and spiritual restoration. He is able to ask questions that direct people to the essential problems in their life and to discern the differences between what was essential and what was non-essential information. Just as Jesus revealed himself to the Samaritan woman, we need Jesus to open our eyes to see who he is. The Lord gives sight to the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. Psalm 146, 8. In salvation, we're made a new creation, crucified with Christ because he has put our sin and shame on the cross and calls us to walk in the light, John 8:12, with new desires and purpose. We might have memories from our past that remain buried. The problem is these memories are buried alive. At some point they'll be exposed, then pain can surface and overwhelm us with emotions such as guilt, shame, grief or anger. Standing with others, praying for them or with them can bring hope and encouragement. Listening to their burdens. I remember doing just that when Paul and I travelled to three refugee camps in Ethiopia in 2014 as part of a mission. We came to bring new trainers and socks to children in some of the churches in the camps and some computers loaded with resources. At each camp, we had the opportunity to pray with the elders and listen to their burdens. The pain of torture and loss was etched in faces of some before words were spoken. And somehow the fact that a small group of individuals who had traveled from richer countries had heard their plight and come to them brought a rise in their faith they'd not been forgotten by God. The second point, learning to listen. Jesus remained in Samaria for two days and other people heard the woman's story. Some believed in Jesus because of the woman's story and others hearing his words became believers. So one small act of love and compassion had a ripple effect bringing many more to salvation. Jesus took time to hear the woman at the well. Who do you need to spend time with today? Ask yourself, does Christ book you in his diary? No, he's not. He is available to you when you need him. Now, I'm not suggesting that you're available to others 24-7, but what are the detours you may need to make in life to spend time with other people, to hear their heart and learn from them? I wonder how much time we spend in God's presence, not just asking him for things or repenting, but in listening to him, to hear his voice in the silence, Learning to listen to God and then listening to others are linked. Making time to do this can be a challenge, 
I've learned not to complicate things. God is there with me at the supermarket, doing the dishes and throughout my day. It is just that sometimes I don't listen. So if you want to be someone who listens well to others, spend time in God's presence. Be filled with his Holy Spirit, be challenged by his promptings, be nurtured by his love, be overwhelmed by his peace, be shepherded by his grace, be overawed by his majesty, and be stilled and know that he is God. He is the one writing your story, your unique story, because you are unique, just like everybody else. Whatever your God-given assignment, God equips us all with good gifts to use with compassion. I remember when my dad was dying of cancer last November, and he asked me about death. I pointed him to Christ, to his promise of eternal salvation and the love he had for him. My dad, an atheist, listened, but he never vocalised a commitment of faith. However, the time spent with him in his dying weeks allowed me to demonstrate the love of Christ and hear some of his heart. It gave time for friends and family to write or visit to tell him how much he had meant to them in their lives. For me to speak to the nurses about faith and to love and serve my parents. To be there in the middle of the night to hold my dad's hand and pray. Sometimes it is what is not spoken that shouts the loudest. I wonder how many times you've asked friends how they are and the usual response is, I'm fine. You say it, we all say it, is it true? Are there other clues that might say otherwise? Getting to know God, hearing from him prophetically can be a way to speak with friends about God's heart for them that can encourage them. Otherwise the enemy can whisper lies and doubt that undermine confidence and interfere with you stepping out in faith. The Samaritan woman did not need to tell Jesus about her life, he knew. He knew and reached out to her, just as Jesus reaches out to us so we can reach out to others. Is the enemy whispering lies to you? Do you need a fresh encounter of the Holy Spirit? Do you need someone to stand with you in prayer? Remember, in Christ you are victorious, more than conquerors. The third point, the cost of discipleship. Our life is to overflow with goodness of God. We're called to daily pick up our cross and submit our time, talents, money and energy to him. James 4, 7. A life overflowing lives to communicate God's goodness. 1 Peter 2, 9. You're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light and tell others about the joy news to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything Jesus commands you. Joyce Hugger asks us, how prepared are we to sacrifice our structures to be more available to those in need? Take a moment to think about those people who have helped shape your life, cared for you at cost to themselves, given the time to listen to you to help you in your spiritual journey. I'd like to thank and acknowledge the patience, commitment and compassion showed to me from Vicky Morpeth who did just that with me when I first became a Christian, who took time to listen to my past struggles and encouraged me to allow Jesus to anchor me in the present, who inspired me to want to grow in my faith and serve those around me. Dietrich Bonhoeffer refers to the cost of discipleship, to be salt of the earth, a city on a hill, a light in the darkness, so that our good works can be seen and others then can praise God, to exercise grace, costly grace, sacrificial grace of time and energy in reaching out in friendship and love to those around us. To spending time to hear others, to pray with them, 
and to look to God for answers rather than rushing in with solutions. To hear the heart of others living in poverty, in crisis, with mental health difficulties, loneliness, illness, fear or persecution, and are moved by compassion, pick up our cross in sacrificial love to seek justice and mercy for others in need. We do not have to look far to see hurting people. Many lives have been devastated by the ravages of the pandemic, which has exploded a predictable world, creating unease and uncertainty. Many people already struggling with mental health difficulties have felt worse and some contemplated the point of living. Some years ago, I went to call on one of my Eritrean friends and they were not in when I knocked on their door. A woman in her early thirties was sitting on a doorstep nearby and asked me if I had a phone. My first response was one of suspicion, but then I noticed the fear in her eyes and went over to her. I noticed she was sat in a large coat too big for her and had very little clothes on underneath. She told me she lived with a man some doors away and he was violent to her and she wanted to leave him, but he was stopping her going to the house to get her clothes. The man appeared in his doorway and told me I could come in to get the clothes. Instead, I rang the police and waited for them to arrive. Whilst I waited, I prayed with this woman and told her she could leave him if she wanted and that she could start a new life. The woman was tearful and grateful, telling me about her abusive past. When the police arrived, I left. Later, the police called and took a statement from me, telling me that the woman was now in a refuge. Now, I'll never know what happened next for this woman, but I know I heard her cry for help and responded so she had a chance at a rescue. The Jubilee Church we've been using Freedom in Christ as a resource, as part of our discipleship programme. This is a valuable tool for all Christians and allows opportunity for people to talk about things that help them understand their identity in Christ, how to handle emotions, face battles for the mind and forgive others. One chapter focuses attention on relating to others and the value of serving people, Philippians 2, 3, 5. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather in humility value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests but each of you to the interests of others. To serve and love others without expecting anything in return. So how do we behave when someone says hurtful things to us? If we retaliate, we fuel the fire. We're encouraged to let Christ be your defence. 1 Peter 2.23 When they hurled insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. Conflict is part of normal life. Learning to handle this in Christ will help us grow. Crucially, Paul says, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Romans 12. Now, I'd love to say I succeed in all these areas, but, the, but all the time, but I don't. No one does, but God is gracious. There are everyday situations, divine appointments God places in our paths. Our job is to notice them and respond. Not to allow the busyness of the day, crowd out compassion or the emotion in the moment to drown our ability to hear. To conclude, we only see what people want us to see, often the tip of the iceberg. God can help us to see into hidden depths if we listen and take time to build trust, to understand fears of failure, of not being good enough, of the future, to hear the pain of grief and loss and to stand with people to pray for the healing power of God to minister to them. You may be listening today and have not yet made a commitment to follow Jesus. 
If that is you, I'd encourage you, God has plans for you and offers you his living water. Other people may be aware that the enemy has been whispering lies to you during this current season and you've been unsettled and uncertain of your identity in Christ. I'd encourage you that God wants you to receive afresh his living water to drown out these lies. Others may be stirred to ask, what is my next step? Where can I develop in listening to other people? The truth is, as I said, is that we all have front lines, work, family, friends, hobbies. Start to listen more to the people in those places. Ask your community group or others to pray and prophesy over you, so you may be more of an effective listener in those places. We all have them, and God has a plan and purpose for us all. Thank you for listening today.